You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Many years ago, I was invited to give a breakfast talk to the partners and staff of one of the big accounting firms in Dublin. The talk was on being focused at work. The talk was actually entitled Working Smarter, Not Harder. Now, it's kind of a cliche almost, but most people find that it is better to be seen to be busy than actually achieving anything. We could have a whole conversation on that, and no doubt we will at some point in time. I was talking, it was a breakfast conversation, as I said, I was talking at 8am in the morning, and I arrived at about 10 past 7, as I tend to do, to get a, a feel for where I am. That's about the extent of the preparation I do, because obviously the key thing that I do when I turn up to do any of those things is turn up. We've talked so many times about turning up, just being present in the moment. Because when you are present in the moment, whatever message you want to impart will be imparted. Whatever impression you want to make will be made and left. And whatever action you encourage people to take, they will be suitably encouraged. That's an aside. The key point I wanted to make was I turned up at 10 past seven and the only person in the building was the security man. And he was all smiles and said to me, welcome, delighted to see you. I'll show you into the room where you're talking. Uh, I may even join you later on along with some of the other staff. So an hour or less than an hour later, I stood up to make my speech and I said to everybody in the room, the guy on security this morning was full of the joys of life, all smiles. I said, is that because it was Friday? Would he have been different had I arrived in here on a Monday morning? And a couple of people said to me, oh yeah, he would have been very different on a Monday morning. He's a grumpy so-and-so on a Monday morning. Isn't it interesting how the day of the week can impact our state of mind? Or should I say, isn't it horrible the way we allow the day of the week to impact our state of mind? Yes, some days we're in better form than others. Some days we are not in a flat or anxious or stressed or annoyed or grumpy state of mind. Some days we flow. But you could flow every day, depending on the choices you make to take control of your state of mind. We'll talk about that, we'll pick up on that later in this conversation, because essentially what I want to talk about in this episode is what a number of people constantly raise with me. This conversation comes in a variety of different ways, shapes and forms, but it always amounts to much the same thing, that people are flat, people are drifting, people feel demotivated or unable to motivate themselves, or people feel a little anxious or a little out of sorts, and they can't put their finger on why they are a little flat, a little demotivated, or a little bit out of sorts, or feeling anxious, 
Now, this is all subtle stuff, I have to say. This is not waking up in the morning and saying, oh, my God, I'm worried that, you know, this is going to happen today. Or what if there is a full scale war in Ukraine or something like that? Not that there's any point in you or I worrying about that because we have absolutely no control over it. Indeed, we don't even have any influence over it, really, in the greater scheme of things. And again, it's not an aside. These conversations are not about changing the world. They're about changing your world. And when we change our little bit of the world, it has a ripple effect. It has a ripple effect out into the world of those around us. And that is obviously a good thing for all concerned. They are win-win situations, if I can put it like that. But we're never going to have that ripple effect. We're never going to be able to change anything at all about our world if we allow ourselves succumb to the feelings that I mentioned a minute ago. Oh, I'm feeling flat or I'm feeling anxious and I don't know why I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling unsettled. I am feeling demotivated. I, as somebody said to me recently, I'm finding it very difficult to motivate the people who are working for me. And I asked the lady in question, how motivated were you when you hopped out of bed this morning? And she said, oh, I wasn't motivated at all. I said, well, there's your, there's your problem. The problem all boils down to your state of mind and how your state of mind is impacting those around you. What if you are feeling flat or feeling a little off, as somebody else put it to me a couple of days ago? What if, for example, you have been meditating for weeks, months or years or decades for that matter, and you wake up this morning feeling flat? Let's deal with that one first, because an awful lot of people who are listening to this will, I hope, be regular meditators. If you're not a regular meditator, more fool you, because meditation is the training that will enable you to restructure your brain and live your life your way and create those win-win situations that I talked about a minute ago. But what if you have been meditating for years and you're feeling a bit flat? As a lot of people say to me, my meditation, the oomph has gone out of my meditation. I've lost my mojo. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm just drifting. And the first point I would make in relation to anybody who has been meditating for a long period of time with any great degree of regularity is that if you're feeling flat, yeah, you may well be a little bit flat, but you're flat at a completely different level to the flat you were before you ever started meditating in the first place. Rather than being flat, you have plateaued. I live in the mountains, as you know, and we climb up a road into the mountains called the Roman Road because it is the road that the Roman legions used. They built it when they came over the Alps 2000 years ago, give or take. So we would climb that road. It's nearly like climbing a wall. And then you come to a beautiful valley that is completely flat, high up in the mountains, with mountains on both sides, with a meadow in the middle and with an alpine stream running through the middle of the meadow. And you're on the flat. You have plateaued. But you are not on the flat that you were on before you did the initial climb. Every time we meditate, we are climbing up the ladder of our own presence, clarity, happiness, and success. And you never go back down that ladder. As I said to somebody recently, meditation enables you move forward all of the time. 
it means that you start playing the game of life in a way where you will always move forward. That game that you are playing is like a game of snakes and ladders, but without the ladders. You're always moving forward. So to those of you who would say to me, I'm feeling a bit flat or my meditation isn't doing it for me at the moment, or I feel as if I'm going backwards, as a lot of people would say, you're not going backwards. You never go backwards. Once you start building the building blocks of the neural pathways in your brain that change the structure of your subcortical brain through meditation and change how those structures in the subcortical brain intercommunicate, there is no going back. You may feel a little flat. Your thinking mind will take the opportunity, of course, to niggle at you and say, oh, you are a little flat. And not only are you a little flat, Maybe the meditation doesn't really work in the first place at all. Maybe you've only been fooling yourself. These are all thoughts that people have. The point I would make is, if you've been meditating for a period of time and you're feeling flat, so what? It is what it is. You need to take a few deep breaths and realize that you're not on the flat where you were, as I said a minute ago. You've plateaued at a much higher level. Now, to get off that plateau and move forward again, there are a couple of suggestions I would make. First of all, refresh, freshen up your meditation. An awful lot of people do similar or sometimes the same meditation from one day to the next. If you're doing the same meditation from one day to the next for a protracted period of time, you're inevitably going to go a little stale. When I started doing this first in 1996, I was giving my clients meditations on cassette tapes. This is the days before CDs. This is how long I've been at this. Now, somebody said to me recently, well, what's a cassette tape? Uh, genuinely, somebody said to me, what is a cassette tape? But there are only so many meditations you could get on a cassette tape. And I think I was giving out 11 or 12 meditations to people who were doing my face-to-face -face workshops, as they were at the time. We're talking about long before Zoom was even a twinkling in some developer's eye. And after about a year I bumped into somebody who had done my workshop a year previously he said I'm still using that tape he said and now I sit down in the morning and I, and I know what's coming next and I said to myself oh that can't be a good thing because it has become routine it has become habitual and it will in a situation like that lose its oomph there's no doubt about that and that is why for example on my app or in the online program there are about 80 or 90 meditations. They're all different. They clump into groups. And by that, I mean, for example, there are a load of meditations that focus on your breathing. There are a load of meditations that focus on your feeling. There are a load of meditations that focus on listening. There are motivational meditations. There are all kinds of different meditations, but there are two reasons why there are so many meditations. The first one is the one I've just mentioned. And that is that if you keep doing the same thing, you will go flat. Now. Bear in mind what I said a few minutes ago. You'll go flat at a completely different level to the flat you were on before you ever opened your mind in the first place at all. But you need to mix it up. You need to vary it. Variety is the spice of life. And what we are doing is spicing up our life. That's one reason why there are so many meditations in my app or in the online program. But the other reason is quite simply that some people are turned on by 
a listening meditation. Some people are not. Some people find breathing meditations really do the trick for them. Some people get nothing out of a breathing meditation. And the same goes for the feeling meditations or the body-focused meditations. Different strokes for different folks. Horses for courses. Really, we must remember what we're doing when we meditate is we are attempting to turn ourselves on. You have been switched off. You have been lost in the fog of your own thoughts. And what we're doing is finding what turns us on to enable that fog clear. So you need to find what turns you on best. There is no right or wrong way to meditate. There is no, it must be this way or that way. That's where so many meditation teachers fall down. They say dogmatically, oh, you must do it this way and you must do it for that length of time every day and you must follow these 37 rules. Why? Why? All we're trying to do is turn ourselves on, tune ourselves in, get ourselves on the same wavelength as the pulse of universal energy of which we are a part. So if your meditation has become a bit flat, or if you think you are feeling a little flat, or even if you're having those mild feelings of anxiety and you can't put your finger on why, and you are already meditating, mix it up. Or, and I've recommended this to a number of people, don't meditate for a week and see what happens. Somebody said to me recently in a group situation on Zoom, somebody said to me, oh, I meditate because I know what happens the days I don't meditate. And other people in the group said, oh, why are there days then that you don't meditate? And then somebody asked me why I meditate. And I said, I meditate because of what happens on the days that I do meditate. Meditation changes your life by ensuring that you are present in the moment and that you are not succumbing to the weird and wonderful crap that jerks our chain. Oh, it's Monday, I'm down. Oh, it's Friday, I'm up. Crazy stuff. Now, we know better. But let's explore this feeling of anxiety or flatness a little more because it impacts us all. And let's deal with some silly stuff first. Silly, but important to understand. Because some mornings you will wake with a hangover. Now, I don't mean, although some people do, wake with a, 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 an alcohol-induced hangover. I'm talking about some mornings we will wake with a dream hangover. Let me tell you a really simple story. I know it sounds funny, but it's actually very important. Because the first thing we must remember is that when we dream, when we're asleep, actually, it's our thinking minds that fall asleep. So when we dream, it is our being mind and our doing mind, our good instinctive mind that is actually wide awake. And that sometimes can produce from the inner depths of our own mind important stuff that we might need to understand or we might need to take note of and learn from. But other stuff is just crap that comes up from the deep recesses of our subconscious mind. And we, we dream nonsense and rubbish. A couple of years ago, I was talking to a client on Zoom and he said to me, he said, I'm glad I'm talking to you this afternoon. He said, because I've been annoyed with my wife for the whole day. And he said, I'm annoyed with my wife for the simple reason that she did something awful to me in a dream. And when I woke up, I turned around and looked at her in the bed. She was sleeping peacefully. And I said to myself, oh, you did that in the dream. And he said that actually affected my mood 
for the day and how I treated her. He said, yeah, I said you were suffering from a dream hangover. And that can be the case. Very often we won't wake refreshed as a result of the nonsense that is going on in our own head. Now, there are things that you can do about that. We'll talk about some of them separately, but if you are the kind of person who has great difficulty sleeping, go on YouTube and simply put into the search box, Willie Horton, no more sleepless nights, and I'll solve that one for you. But we'll talk about that again in another podcast. That is... YouTube, Willie Horton, No More Sleepless Nights. It's a video from a number of years ago, but it still does the trick. Right, okay. We were talking about feeling flat or feeling that little bit anxious. Our minds evolved over about 1.8 million years to ensure that we were always alert to and ready for any potential threat. Now, in the bad old days, or I suppose the good old days, depending on which way you looked at it, because, you know, before the age of tribes, when we were all helping each other, there was none of the conflict that we see in the world nowadays. But when we were hunter-gatherers, obviously some of those threats were life-threatening, existential threats. And therefore our mind, the human brain, evolved in a very particular way to ensure that we were always alert to the possibility that we mightn't achieve the primary goal that we had when we woke up every morning. The primary goal being that we made it back to bed safe and sound that night. So our brains have evolved, as I said, over 1.8 million years in a way in which they are constantly, very subtly, it happens subconsciously, so we're generally speaking not aware of it, but we are constantly subconsciously scanning the horizon for potential threats. And therefore we are, as a matter of course, using our minds in the way in which nature intended, in a constant state of ever so slightly heightened anxiety. It's our natural state of mind. Or should I say it's our natural state of mind if we are to simply sit on the laurels of our own evolution? I've said before, and I'll say it again. When you start meditating, you take responsibility for your own personal evolution. That is not some fanciful statement. It's not some deliberately motivational statement. It is a statement of scientific fact. Because for the last 20 years or so, neuroscience has known and continues to confirm that people who meditate have brains that are structurally different to people who don't meditate. Now you might say to yourself, so what? But the parts of the brain that are structurally different in people who meditate are the parts of the brain that enable us to know what's actually going on, know what to do and say based on the fact that we know what's really going on, and know what to do and say effortlessly in a way that will lead us towards the goals that we want to achieve. Again, 
neuroscience over the last 15 years, there or thereabouts, has known that people who meditate regularly have different systems in their subcortical brain to enable them make more effective and efficient choices and decisions on a moment to moment basis to again enable them do the right thing in the right way at the right time to move towards the goals that they want to achieve. That's twice I've said more or less the same thing. And it did bear repeating for the simple reason that meditation, the training to enable you play the game of life, is, as I said earlier on, like a game of snakes and ladders without the ladders, is constantly moving your own personal evolution forward. One of the key things that we begin to realize when we do start moving our own personal evolution forward, when we do actually change the very shape and functionality of our brain, one of the things we start realizing is the extent to which we are or are not in the zone, are or are not in flow. Or let me put it in the way in which I put it at the start of this week's episode. We become increasingly aware of the extent to which we may or may not be feeling slightly flat, out of sorts, or ever so slightly anxious. Obviously, it's self-evident. The more we develop our ability to be present through restructuring our brain as a result of that training that we need to undertake every day meditation, the more aware we become. The more aware we become of what is going on, even around us in the moment. I was going to say very often, but actually always at some point along the way with my clients and online program owners, I suggest to them that they take a few hours, and by a few hours, I mean three or four or five hours, to sit quietly somewhere and watch the world go by, to effectively sit and do nothing other than observe and be present, to see, feel, hear, smell and taste where they are. One particular client a couple of months ago did this in a coffee shop in the middle of a very busy shopping mall. He sat there for about five hours. Now, you might wonder, did the coffee shop owner not throw him out? But he bought multiple cups of coffee and he also had his 11th there and his lunch there. So he wasn't just sitting there taking up space. But what he said was, after about an hour sitting there, he suddenly tuned in to everyone's conversation. He could actually hear what people were saying four or five or six tables removed from him. It wasn't that they were talking any louder. It was that he was becoming more aware. As simple as that. In exactly the same way, I got a phone call a number of years ago from somebody who said to me, Willie, he said, I meditated this morning and the birds are singing. I said, John, the birds sing every morning. It's just that you're hearing them perhaps for the first time because you're turning up to the here and now for the first time. Other people have said to me, the birds are singing louder. No, they're not singing louder. You're just more tuned in to the wavelength that I talked about earlier on, the wavelength at which universal energy is constantly pulsing. And you must remember, 
we are part and parcel, an integral part of universal energy. In exactly the same way, the more we become aware of that kind of stuff going on around us, the more we become aware of everything. And in particular, the more we become aware of ourselves. And the more we become aware of our own state of mind. Now, this is an interesting one, because most people, when they start meditating first, after a couple of weeks, will say to me, this isn't working. My mind is getting noisier and noisier. And I keep saying to them, no, your mind was always noisy. It's just that you are realizing now, you are becoming aware now of just how noisy your mind is. It's like the birds have been turned up. The noise in your own head hasn't been turned up. You're just more aware of it. In exactly the same way, the people who say to me that I am fl feeling flat or feeling ever so slightly anxious or I'm feeling a little bit out of sorts, they are people who know. They are tuned into their own state of mind. They understand what is actually going on. They are self-aware. Pity the poor 96% of people on this planet who are at the very least, if they're in reasonable mental shape, flat and ever so slightly anxious, and they're not aware of it. And they are not aware that a whole new world, a whole new life awaits them the minute they tune in. That is the benefit of turning up to the here and now. So if you are feeling a little bit flat, if you are feeling that little bit anxious, first of all, be thankful for the fact that you're aware of it. Be grateful for the fact that you're aware of it. Appreciate the fact that you're aware of it. And most importantly, appreciate the skills that you have redeveloped yourself to be aware of what is going on in the here and now and be aware of how you are actually feeling emotionally at this moment in time. And be thankful for the opportunity of feeling flat, because the opportunity of feeling flat, it provides you with another little challenge to which you can easily rise. The challenge in this case is, come on, get back to a completely clear and focused state of mind. Meditate, or if you're in the middle of your day, mini meditate, turn yourself back on, tune yourself back in, turn up to the here and now where your life is lived. The fact of the matter is that we are on a journey and state of mind is a continuum from utter madness, which unfortunately is where most people are without even realizing that that's where they are, to the other end of the scale. And I don't know where the other end of the scale is. I'm not sure if anybody ever hits the other end of the scale. But as we move across that continuum, we move from being numbed in our own mind, numbed by our own thoughts, dragged down by our own thoughts, imprisoned by our own thoughts. We move from there through being aware of our own thoughts, being aware of the noise in our own head and we move from there into an awareness of how I am feeling in the moment, an awareness of when I am a little all over the place or a lot all over the place. And we move from there to an awareness of being cool, calm, focused, present and in the zone and in flow. And we move from that into a really subtle awareness 
of when we are not as much in flow as we have previously experienced. And so the feeling and experience of flow grows as a result of our growing in being more attuned to the reality of the moment, being more acquainted with our true selves and allowing the thoughts that made up our conceptual self completely drift away like mist in the morning sun. Ultimately, all this is down to you choosing. You choosing to be in flow, carefree, without a care in the world, regardless of whether it's Monday morning or Friday morning, regardless of what is going on around you, because regardless of what is going on around you, your state of mind has all to do with what is going on within you. And over that, you have absolute and total control. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.com.